It is Tuesday, April 7, 2020, and coming up, we've reached the Elite Eight of the Now That's What I Call Madness Volume 1, and Benny's good buddy, Jared Hart, joining the program to break down those matchups, plus the Hall of Fame class was announced for 2020, Kobe's in, KG's in, and so much more. We'll talk about it. This is The Tune-Up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the literal backbeat of Mercy Union. But hey, for the sake of today's argument, we'll say there's no scandal. It's Benny Horowitz. Wow, smart. <laughs> Jared's going to like that. Hey, Denny. Yeah, what's up? If you, if you in the course of your life were ever, you know, nominated to be in a Hall of Fame of some sort, which Hall of Fame do you think you're going to make? Well, I would hope I'd be in, you know, maybe not the first class, but the 10th class of the Podcasting Hall of Fame. No, but, um, oh. you know, I'd say, you know, I've done fairly well at eating challenges during my life, so maybe the Eating <laughs> Challenge Hall of Fame, though though I think Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut had me beat there. I, I wonder if you could take me. I'm, I'm the two-time winner of a grilled cheese eating competition. <laughs> you think you could think you, you could take me out? Uh... I don't know. The the dairy gets a little tricky there, but uh, <laughs> um, no. Have have you ever done the Pete and Elda's uh, down in Belmar? Their pizza eating contest. That is a thin pie, my friend. I gotta be honest. I you know I take competitions really seriously, and each time I did these grilled cheese eating competitions, I really, you know, I trained, I focused, I put a lot of work and effort <laughs> into it. It's not all that much fun. No, you know kind of hurts after a while so i i think you know i'm planning on retiring unless <laughs> someone really you know strikes me with a with a great deal i don't know which hall of fame i i'll ever get into oh come on you know maybe come the on. rock and roll one day the new jersey hall like of that fame, place for a sure. lot but you know what my goal has always been denny has been to uh do enough things with the with the years of my life that I'll be given a college degree without going to college. <laughs> that's kind of the, that's like my apex of the Hall of Fame. I want somebody in like 10, 20 years to just look at my list of accomplishments. It doesn't have to be Harvard or Yale, you know, or something like it could be anything. It could be Rowan, it could be Stockton <laughs> State. I don't care. But I just want them to go, you know what? Here's a diploma. I even lost my high school diploma. Literally, <laughs> the last thing that says I graduated from something was eighth grade. That's so hilarious. That would be my whole thing. What school would you like to most stick it to? Because I have this pipe dream of giving the Notre Dame commencement speech because famously or not famously at all, a whole family went there, didn't get in. So I would like to be like, everything that they told you to do these four years is BS because I still end up giving you a commencement speech. And I'm not sure what the biggest, like, bite-in-the-ass commencement <laughs> speech would probably be. Probably if I got, like, if they, they're like, hey, you want to come uh, do it at Auburn or something, you know? <laughs> Maybe that wouldn't go so well. Start talking shit about, Cam yeah, Martin. whatever, you know, trees and bulldogs, whatever they do down there. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so normally at this point of the program, it's when I tell you, you know, we can't go from cold takes to hot takes. But rather than being negative this week, because let's 
I just like last week we did a uh, don't fuck this up that got you know a little too negative. I listened back a to it. Sick. A little so- so saucy you cut it. I got <laughs> I listened back to this and I'm like, who is this person? Benny must have been sitting over there like what the heck is going on? But in honor of well not in, in honor, but because the world is in such a crazy place right now, we want to take the time to talk about the best thing that we've seen this week. A la taking a page out of Scott Van Pelt's book. Benny, what do you got? I like this. This is a nice change of pace. So I got to be honest, though, I haven't seen much this week, you know what I mean? Outside of my family and the house I'm in and the street I'm on, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of human interaction and stuff like that. But I did see something from the uh, ornithology world, if uh, you're a birder at all. And, you know, I've been taking the time to recognize nature a little more. And the other day I see a, a gaggle of crows, Good eight to ten crows going pretty crazy. And then I see a couple seagulls poking around. And, you know, in my layman city boy understanding, I think the seagulls are about to get worked. You know, it seemed like an aerial territorial thing going on. And much to my surprise, the the seagulls were were bold and magnificent flyers, cutting angles, had great speed, and they owned these crows and kicked them off the beach. I watched this for about 15 minutes play out. Uh, so I got to say, the most interesting thing I saw this week was a bird fight. This has gone completely off the rails. I was going to bring in this nice thing. You know, John Krasinski of Office fame has been doing yeah, this. Uh, some good that news. Was nice. Yeah, and, you know, last week he had on Steve Carell. This week he uh, surprised a nine-year-old girl who uh, wouldn't get a chance to go see Hamilton for her birthday. Brought the whole original cast on. They, they performed... It was a nice gesture. It was really good for the internet. The people needed it. He said some good news before it. So, John Krasinski, keep up the good work, man. Yeah. I mean, I like that guy because he's Jim from The Office, but I'm glad he's doing something worthwhile. Exactly. See, I can't even not be negative. Even (laughs) even when we're trying to be positive, I'm taking shots at John Krasinski. Oh, man. Even though he's doing some lovely stuff in the world. Honestly, it's pure and it's nice. And I do, I do appreciate it. I saw it, and I thought it was quite nice. You can't get past the fact that he's a Phillies fan on The Office, can you? No, I can't get past <laughs> the fact that I haven't seen him do anything <laughs> I like after The Office. <laughs> the movie Leatherheads had a lot of oh potential. My didn't get there. <laughs> not you know? a big uh, Jack Ryan shout recruit fan, huh? No, <laughs> not really. All right, Benny, first topic here. Over the weekend, the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame was announced. The headliners of this class include 18-time NBA All-Star and 5-time NBA champion, the late, great Kobe Bryant, 15-time NBA All-Star and NBA Finals MVP, Tim Duncan, the incomparable 15-time NBA All-Star, Kevin Garnett, 4-time National Coach of the Year, Eddie Sutton, 2-time NBA champion, Rudy Tomjanovich. Oh, man, that guy. Uh, 10-time WNBA All-Star and 4-time Olympic gold medalist, Tamika Catchings, the legend herself, and three-time NCAA championship coach of Baylor and former lady texter, shout out to her playing at Louisiana Tech back in the day, Kim Mulkey, five-time Division II National Coach of the Year, Barbara Stevens, and longtime FIBA executive Patrick Bauman. Benny, what do you make of this class, especially the big three up there? It's one of the better Hall of Fame classes we've seen in some time. Yeah, this is a great one, and I, I love the fact that you know, the, the, just a few months really after the Kobe Bryant saga 
you know, you're given a chance to, you know, pay respects again in a different kind of, uh, in a different kind of light. I think a lot of the stuff at, at first is people looking at like, you know, the man, the family trying to get over just the scars of what happened. And this will give people an opportunity to just really look at his career, you know, really look at what he did on a basketball court and the kind of legacy he left behind. And, you know, usually in these draft classes, you get, you know, maybe one of the top tier superstars and then you get some other people trickling in. But to have Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett in the same class is pretty remarkable as far as the the talent at the top. Rudy Tomjanovich, I feel for him, uh, you know, in the fact that one of the reasons he's he's as famous as he is was being punched in the face <laughs> by Kermit Washington in 1977. One of the nastiest things I've ever seen. Uh, somebody on Twitter the other day had posted uh, Rufando Dor of the Texas Rangers punching Jose Bautista in the face. And, and I said, this is among the cleanest punches in sports fight history. And the reason I had to say among was because the Kermit Washington punch is the gnarliest I've ever seen. Uh, I don't, uh, Tamika Catchings, you know, I haven't followed her career as closely as I should, but everything uh, between college and the pros is pretty remarkable. Um, so yeah, this class is as good as, as good as it could be. And I, and I maybe make the case that this could be the best Hall of Fame class in history. Uh, the only ones that seem to be comparable 1980, you had Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and Jerry Lucas. Pretty strong. And in 2009, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, John Stockton, Jerry Sloan, and my personal favorite, Vivian uh, Stringer, Rutgers basketball. Um, I think that one is pretty close because you have three, uh, you know, absolute legends of the game, potentially top 25 players and a Hall of Fame coach and Jerry Sloan. But the thing you're missing in this one is John Stockton and Jerry Sloan right. not having the rings, <laughs> you know, and they made it in. So I think you could easily, after after a little bit of time, make the case that this is the, the best Hall of Fame class ever going in. And you know what's super interesting about this class? You know, a lot of people, when they talk about them getting into the Hall of Fame, they talk about, can you tell the story of basketball without them? And for the sake of all these people, no, but... The interesting thing is, you know, for the case always for a guy like Carmelo Anthony is, oh, his college career storied. Kevin Garnett, no college career, straight to the That's pros, right. uh, really groundbreaking. And you, and like I said and before, Kobe. you really can't tell – exactly. You can't tell the story of the NBA without him. But, man, I don't think people that, that cover basketball really know – what a force uh, Kim Mulkey is. I mean, yes, people know her as a current coach of, of Baylor, how she's really elevated that program to new heights. I mean, she recruited, signed, and, and, and made Brittany Griner what she is today. But when Kim Mulkey was playing college basketball, women weren't allowed to, to wear like regular basketball uniforms. And that's just wow. crazy for me, yeah. to, me to fathom. Like, they literally wore like, like, button-down shirts and, like, skirts. Pretty crazy. Go, uh, if you want to learn more about her her career, uh, the um, the Women of Troy documentary on, on HBO talks about uh, Cheryl Miller, former colleague at NBA Radio, phenomenal person. Uh, so it really touches on uh, 
a long scale view of, of women's basketball. So Kim Mulkey, shout out there. But uh, and then we, she also also coached herself a forty and O season. Exactly, I'm, exactly. I'm and mistaken. you could even argue that she of the basketball coaches being inducted from the state of Texas, she's probably the best one. Love that. You know, we always like to highlight everybody. Yes. A lot's been talked about Tim Duncan, KG, Kobe. We, we we did a whole podcast on the career of Kobe and his life and legacy. Uh, can't believe the poise that Vanessa Bryant showed this weekend. Just phenomenal. And, and I, she's probably going to have to do it again in Springfield. I can't imagine how hard that's going to be with basketball royalty in the room, televised, boss, all that man. stuff. A- absolutely unreal. But uh, other people kind of getting lost in the limelight here. Eddie Sutton. Uh, four-time national coach of the year, eight-time uh, conference uh, coach of the year, and the first coach in N- NCAA history to lead four different schools to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Sutton ranks in the top among division coaches all time. Just a storied career uh, at Oklahoma State. I mean, and like I said before, can't tell the story of college basketball without Eddie Sutton. And, and with him, I feel like we, we're getting into a regional bias, you know, since yeah. we're starting to deal with college. It's like a guy like that, sure, maybe up in the Northeast isn't really a household name, but I'm sure uh, Eddie Sutton's uh, name carries a lot of weight in lots of parts of this country. No, I mean, I think he, he, he could still walk in any living room in the country and kind of recruit whoever he wants. Uh, collectively, o- over his tenure, Sutton guided his teams to three Final Fours, six Elite Eights, and 12 Sweet 16 appearances. Just a phenomenal career. And then to kind of round this all off, Tamika Catchings. I mean, if you want to talk about the history of women's basketball, Tamika Catchings, it's she. It's not be, it begins and ends with her, but she is so influential. Ten-time WNBA All-Star. Those four gold medal games. Yeah, it's uh, insane. In 2004, 2008, 2012, and 2016, really part of the ascent of women's basketball because, you know, I, I, I feel like we've been part of a movement with women's sports where it's starting to get the dollars, it's starting to get more eyeballs, and, I mean, it, it's it's way better than it was in the Cheryl Miller times, but it still has such a long way to go, and the uh, I definitely think the most recent CBA that really uh, has elevated what WNBA players can accomplish year-round, the pay scale getting closer to equal pay. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the success that not only USA Basketball has had, but and Tamika Catchings has been such a key part of that over the years. And I feel the need to just repeat, four-time Olympic gold medalist. Crazy. That is crazy. In- when you think about the names that have become part of like the national narrative for winning a few golds, you know, your Michael Phelps and your, uh, you know, ice skaters and things like that, who, who became so huge. The fact that this woman over the course of, you know, 12 or 13 years going back, excuse me, almost, you know, however long that is yeah. going back and winning four of them. is really remarkable. I mean, that, that deserves a lot of credit in a, a team sport where there's not like, Oh, like you won a gold medal for like three point shooting right. or like a skills yeah. competition. Absolutely. Incredible. Makes it even more difficult. Yeah. All right, Benny, we've reached a halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for your dollar slice take. Well, you know, we talked a little last week and I was telling people to invest in esports. And now, 
I really think people should invest in esports even more. There's currently a really fun tournament going on with current NBA players. Devin Booker and Andre Drummond seem like they're the cream of the crop in the NBA. Maybe Rui Hachimura. They're part of like esports teams. It's a whole thing. And a lot of people are watching these and a lot of people are invested in the games. So, Dollar Slice, instead of trickling the end of the NBA season, having a bunch of out-of-shape guys play, you know, five to ten games going into the playoffs or whatever is going to happen. I want five-on-fives, every player playing with himself, actual schedules, headsets on, full coverage, put it on TV, get the ratings going. It's better than ten regular season games in an empty stadium. How bad would I want to see uh, someone like Andre Drummond actually drag himself <laughs> up and down the court on an NBA 2K game? <laughs> Apparently, DeMontis Sabonis benched himself in the first quarter yesterday <laughs> when he was playing against Montrezl Harrell. So I think there's actually a lot, of, uh, a lot of life to this and a lot of fun, and I think it could bring in a whole different generation of people, and it's almost like the concept of putting the headsets on baseball players and hearing the shit talking and the real, like, I mean, imagine if you had an actual five on five, the kinds of things these guys would say to each other. So that's my dollar slice. I want to see it. I'm going to do a takeoff on yours a, a little bit, but it has to do with the NFL draft, which is for some reason is still going on. You know how we have this hologram technology. We've seen at music festivals. We've seen, you know, Tupac, you've seen, a lot of uh, artists that have previously passed away come back and perform their songs for mass people. I want to do the NFL draft, entire holograms, still have it on, on, on TV, have the holograms for all 270 of the prospects, have Roger Goodell, have the guy who, who he always hands it off to in like the second or third round, you know, just have a shot on, you know, I don't know, like the stage at like Radio City or, or like or like some venue like that. Nobody in the place, but you just have your holograms. I think that'd be pretty cool to watch. What do you think it costs to create one hologram? Whatever it is, the NFL has it in spades. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm just imagining like you're in the sixth round and you have like, you know, the kicker from southeastern Missouri State. And this hologram costs the NFL like a couple hundred grand. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be into that idea. All right, Jared Hart is here. Lead singer of Mercy Union, The Scandals. Jared, what's up, dude? Hey, thanks for having me. How's everyone? Good? Good. Oh, we're great. Jared, we just found out that Adele's ex-husband will be paid $140 million over the next three years as part of their settlement what they get divorced i didn't even know that <laughs> apparently wow i mean i guess because that first record's about him i don't know if that was part of the part of the court case or what 140 mil <laughs> what, would your, what would be your first purchase like a co-op down in atlantic city or something uh, i think i would have to either like a condo in vegas <laughs> Or like like a, a farm to just like have dogs run around like old dogs, <laughs> like a senior dog, a senior yeah. dog farm facility. I've been really into that. Lately. Remember, you remember Mark uh, in Boston who like was friends with Sam I Am and all them. Yeah, sure. 
dude, him and his girl, like just like taking all these senior dogs, they got like 10 or something in the house or 15. And I'm like, man, I'm like, how cool would like a barn be with just these old dogs like rolling around and (laughs) kind of perfect. That's sort of like your personality in some ways. I'm kind of into it. Casey could have a pig if she yeah, wants. You're like a senior dog in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this isn't that bad. Are you being real? You're sitting around uh, smoking cigars, drinking coffee, and writing music right now? I was working on music, and then I came out on the deck, and I'm having a cigar, looking at beautiful John F. Kennedy Boulevard. That's beautiful. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> Where else would you rather be in a quarantine? Oh, a couple places. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at that $49 airfare to Miami so many times, but I'm like, don't risk it, man. Don't risk it. <laughs> Dude, this whole thing came down right when I was supposed to leave for Vegas. Like oh. we made we made the call. We were like, we can't this is real, right? We were like, this is like really bad. And yeah. we were like, no, nah, we can't go. And like two days later, Vegas shut down completely. Damn. Yeah. And yeah, I was we- like, oh. One day, Jared. I mean, at least, at the very least, this is the year that you could start gambling online, you know? I have, you know what? I've been very good about that. Well, you got fucking nothing to gamble on. I've been, well, no, there's, you can, you can play live blackjack. Oh, true, true, true. Which is a terrible thing. Awesome. Well, we have eight records here. The Elite Eight, if you will. We have Ramones going up against Purple Rain, Pet Sounds versus London Calling. Born to Run versus Kind of Blue, and Rumors versus Nevermind. We're going to start with uh, Ramones versus Purple Rain. Jared, who do you like here? See, this is tough. There's a lot of things going on here. Without the Ramones record, I wouldn't, I would be like teaching kids art or like working in a factory. <laughs> but Purple Rain is, is a masterpiece on every kind of musical level. As a musician, I'm gonna. I have to take Purple Rain. Wow, I have it's, to. It's an interesting one. This one's interesting because I feel like these two would have respected each other. Yeah, you know. And even though Ramones are from New York City, we know Prince would have schooled him on the basketball court too. Yeah, but Blouses. but I ask you, like, <laughs> what do you think in the end if you took like your personal preference aside, like? Okay. Which of these songs and which of these albums do you think is going to leave a more, like, telling tale? Like, what will change music more? What will have a larger influence, you think? I, I think that, that Purple Rain as a whole with the movie, with Prince just being Prince, influenced a wider range of people. And, you know, the Ramones sparked so many bands that record you know what after they toured that record it, all of a sudden there was bands in every city but i think purple rain touched more people i personally would put the ramones record on probably more than purple rain right which m- might be crazy but i think in global reach and like positivity i think purple rain did it did a number on people you know i think you could pull off them pants jared too <laughs> you know that with the hair and I don't know. I don't know. I might have to like clean up a little bit. I mean, I gotta play behind you a lot, so if you could like shape things up back there, you know? <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get a belt or something. I don't know if I could pull those pants off the way that I the way the way I'm working right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Benny, how about you? 
Uh, this is, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jared. I mean, it, it, it's a tough one and they're, they're important for different reasons. But, uh, I think from like sheer impact where, you know, the game changed after a certain record came out, I give it more to the Ramones. Um, I think Prince was following in a, in a legendary path. Um, and he's obviously uniquely talented uh, artist in so many ways. And this record is so like spanning, but you know, after this record came out, did I see the trajectory of music like switch the minute after it came out? Maybe not. I think it changed like maybe culture and, and uh, iconography and stuff like that. Maybe a little more than music. So I'll give Ramones the edge. Yeah, I got to go with Purple Rain here strictly because, you know, this entire tournament, I've, I've done it on the criteria of what's the most what's the more influential record in 2020. And I think from that standpoint, it's got to be Purple Rain. It's interesting. Benny, what you said was it was I was thinking about it in that sense as you were saying it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that these like Prince already like like had his vision in mind. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which is so different than that first Ramones record where it's just right. four <laughs> dirty dudes from New York just like literally learning how to play while they recorded. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's where I think you got to give the Ramones a little more credit than that. Yeah. I think Prince in a way is like was in an easier position than they were because he got to to fight for the uniqueness of this image with some like power behind him, you know what I mean? By that yeah. point, Prince had had some leverage. He could go into meetings with powerful people and just be like, I'm Prince. This is yeah. how I'm doing it. The Ramones were just like literally starting from scratch. They built their own car, yeah. you know? And like to, to not look like anyone else and not sound like anyone else and have a very consistent art and theme from the get might even be more mm-hmm. difficult to, to have that sense of yourself before you're even shit. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's a, it's a, that's a, a combo. Those two are so different. You couldn't, I don't think there's a, anyone on this list that's as different. Is there? Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, maybe born to run versus kind of. Born. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to get interesting. We'll get to that in a little bit, but, uh, Next matchup here, we have Beach Boys Pet Sound versus London Calling by The Clash. Jared? Jesus. <laughs> Just throwing a match at the hot, hot wrenches right off the bat. This one's real bad, again, because, I mean, London Calling is, they're both perfect records, right? Uh, again, I wouldn't know anything I know or do anything I do without London Calling existing. But London Calling was not, I was a Ramones guy always, right. and it, t- it took me way longer to like really appreciate that record and appreciate the Clash in general. And the Pet Sounds always messed me up. Like as a little kid, like when I heard "God Only Knows," I went to some existential place of like, oh my right, God. yeah. And that's a song that no matter I'll be at the supermarket, you know, it'll come on and like anywhere like at a, at a, at a bar or something. And I will have to choke up and like, be like, I can't listen to this. And, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, I, and that's another one. So there you go. Like I, the clash had more of a vision, obviously, like they kind of had their image every, they wanted to be the biggest band in the world. Right. And, and Brian Wilson obviously wanted to make 
the best record ever made. So I, I got to go with heads down uh, and I'm going to catch a lot of shit for it. But, you know, so you, you know, you grew up in kind of the scene, like you're really into street punk and stuff like that. It, it was it from my understanding, is it like a common yep. conception amongst like young street punks and stuff that like the clash is not cool. Like right off the bat, they're, they're not like, are, are they considered like, Oh, you're getting into punk, but you're getting into the clash. Like you're not digging deep enough or something. Uh, you know, I'm sure there were some people like that. I was in the younger of that group. Like I was in like the next wave. So everyone in my age thought it was cool, you know? Right. Like no, no one was, no one was calling that. But I always remember like reading those interviews and like Strummer be, say like the idea of like, I want to be the biggest thing in the world was so different than the Ramones and so different from what I kind of wanted from it that I was, I think I gravitated away from it more. Sure. Until I was, would hyperanalyze it as a songwriter. Right. And, right, right. and when you look at it that way, it's, it's, it's perfect. Like sonically, it's perfect. Um, but it doesn't move me the way Pet Sounds does. Right, right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on this one, I, and I know it's going to be a surprise to, to some, but it's like what you said about some of the songs on Pet Sounds is like I can just see those songs continuing in the narrative of everyday culture forever. Yeah. Like, like it's almost like those songs and some of those parts and the lyrics are almost so ingrained into culture. You don't even know where it comes from anymore because it's so vast and it, it's like covered so much ground at this point, you know, like, yeah. I, I feel like the first time I even got into pet sounds, I would hear sounds or a part where I was like, Oh, that's from that movie or that's from that thing, you know, where it had already been taken in so many ways that like, I, I think the clash had a very uh, unique and widespread cultural impact that's still there today because they made a catchy enough record and a, and a well-written enough record at the time that they were able to open up like a whole generation of people to kind of different political concepts and things like that, which totally. I s still think is, is holding on and still important. Uh, but as far as... Um, I just can't, I can't front on the music on this record. And I just can't in good conscience vote against it. Yeah. And it, it's what you said with that too, with the political consciousness and everything as awesome as that is and important as that is, it also kind of dates some of the songs a little bit. Right, right, right. And right. like Pet Sounds, like I said, with that whole, like there's a, there's a vibe there and there are themes in there that any human, no matter when they were born, born will be able to connect to. Yeah, and, that's that's a good point. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes the clash can feel a little nostalgic in an amazing way, but I didn't live through that. Right. So, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, like God only knows can connect with you forever, whenever, but you're not always gonna be super fired up about Margaret Thatcher. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I think I gotta go with London Kong here because it sets like uh, it, it's one it's one of the records that sends, sets kind of a blueprint for how to make a political record going after that. I mean, we had uh, mm -hmm. American Idiot in here. Uh, we didn't have uh, to pimp a butterfly and, and stuff like that. But there's a bunch of political records that come after, and it's one of uh, you know the records when you ask like a public enemy like who influ influenced them, and Chuck D always brings up the Clash and stuff like that. So for that reason, I think 
in the current day, it's probably a more influential record. I think the, the OG political artist got kicked off this list two yeah. rounds ago and Bob Marley. Exactly. <laughs> I think all those bands from, from Britain were, uh, were definitely feeling the fire of, of that movement when they were writing some of this stuff, too. All right, next up, uh, oh boy, Born to Run. I've, during the course of this tournament, have developed a kind of a love-hate with this because it's kicked off some pretty heavy hitters. <laughs> but Born to Run versus Kind of Blue. Jared, what's on your mind? Can I ask who it, who it beat? So it beat Sgt. Pepper. Oh, my God. Yeah. That uh, was, that's by the Beatles. Jared. That was a bloodbath, by the way. <laughs> it got 88% of the vote. Which yeah. uh, That was it when I was like, we've created Sergeant an Pepper. echo chamber yeah. here. And oh what else did it beat? Had an easier matchup the first round. Yeah, the first. Would he beat Aretha Franklin or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It beat. Yeah, Lady Soul. It, yeah, it beat Lady Soul. Sergeant so, Pepper. Yeah. So, in this I mean, matchup, it's going up against Kind of Blue, which you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised given the voting elsewise that uh, Kind of Blue has has made it, but I guess you know a lot of people are fans of High Fidelity or something like that. Jared, what's your pick here? <laughs> Oh, this is hard. Um, I didn't grow up in a Springsteen house. Um, I, it's a it's a great record. I love the story behind how many times it got scrapped and redone and worked on. And where I love that. Like I've gone back to that in my head many times. But I didn't. It it it's not like ingrained in me. And Miles Davis was on a lot in the background a lot. I like, connect it more. I think it influenced more people. It's one of those things. I think it, I think it had a heavier sway in farther reaching genres of music. I, I, I want to go against born to run kind of. <laughs> I do. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I have to at this point. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like the punk rocker in me, you know? Like, yeah. It, it's like, if literally, if Sergeant, like, if Sergeant Pepper versus Born to Run was 55% to 45%, if it was this, I'd be like, this was a fair fight. You know what I mean? But yes. There's clearly something at work here. I think we know what it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so for the fact that I know Miles Davis is going to get his ass handed to him, I got to respect Miles. 1959 laid the blueprint for modern jazz, yes. which laid the blueprint for all types of uh, hip-hop, R&B, soul, rock music, like everything that came after it. Um, John Coltrane on this record before he was a big a big deal and before he went on his own i don't know man I, i've seen so many documentaries about born to run the same as you it's a beautiful record it's an amazing record yes uh and i'm never gonna diss the man i'm never gonna diss the crew but i'm going with kind of blue and also i mean i don't think the east street band's possible without this re without kind of blue yes mm -hmm. probably not so probably not so, so you two, are we sweeping kind of blue here? Kind of blue, but we know that we're in the minority here because Pornaron's just going to roll, but that's okay. Yeah, once, Sergeant once... Pepper, man. <laughs> I know. It, it must have been the sitar. It had to be the sitar song, right? It got smoked. 
I mean, maybe that's just the mood people are in these days. You know, they're not they're not feeling fantastical. They don't want to dress up in cool outfits. They just want to put on some jeans. And <laughs> they're not even story. doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, seventy five percent of the world is in sweatpants right now. So, so I don't know. Sure. Love it. All right, last matchup here. Rumors versus Nevermind. Jared? Nevermind. All day. Yeah. <laughs> All what's, your, day. what's your overall feeling on Rumors? I love it. It's great. Yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, big Stevie fan. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I think part of it is the, the resurgence of people my age loving that record all of a sudden. Um, over yeah. the last couple of years and sure. and I've heard it so much. It's great. It's perfect. Nevermind changed so much for me. Like when I was learning how to play guitar and the only things I could play were songs off that record. Right. Like like how he was playing them. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, this this he's he's playing like a weirdo. Like you don't have to play like the way you're being taught how to hold a how to hold a note, how to form a chord. He was doing dissonant things, these weird single note things that were so catchy and so uniquely Kurt and Nirvana that I was like, I could do this. It made me feel like I could attempt something right. that you know Fleetwood Mac never made me do. So I gotta, and I mean, how cool! Like started a whole genre, started. A, a, a thunderstorm of bands after that. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Never mind. Perfect I think record. You, yeah, you made a good point, which actually kind of lends to my point, which was like, um, there was like, like something about that Nirvana album that like welcomes people in. Of yeah. Like of like a, a certain ilk. You know what I mean? It wasn't smarter than you. It wasn't better than you. It wasn't any of that stuff when it came mm-hmm. out. It was just there for you because it was just this, you know, brutally honest appeal of like a guy who was pouring everything into it. You know, everybody knew it. And kind of the maybe the the thing that brings people into rumors the most is probably its broad appeal. The fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, pop people and rock people, when it came out, could all dig on it. And now, you know, 40 something years later you could listen to it with like your seven year old, you could listen to it with your grandmother, you know, it's yep. got this like wide broad ranging appeal and it welcomes people in and like Nirvana challenged people with, you know, how upfront it was and how, you know, to most maybe angry it seemed, but like you said, it was actually far more accessible music and things that connected people with rock music at the time so much more. So mm. for, for those reasons, I actually, uh, I'm with you. I'm going never mind. I'm always kind of curious where rock and roll would be in 2020 if this record hadn't come out because it influenced everything that came after it. And I think it's so much more impactful in the current climate than Rumors is. Even though people love Stevie Nicks, they love Rumors, they love all that stuff. It's impressive that they didn't talk to each other except through song to record it. But in terms of impact in 2020, I mean, it's got to be never mind. Yeah, I mean, even Kurt Cobain's weird sweaters made a comeback in Brooklyn <laughs> last year, you know? Like, so cool. Like, it's going on. Did you I, see how much his actual sweater went for? <laughs> no. 
that sweater he wore on like Unplugged or something, the cardigan. Oh my sure. god, just go- Google that at some point when you want to have a laugh. Oh my god, dude! And I, they haven't washed it. Like there's still stains on it and stuff. Damn. Weird, strange. Let, let's uh, let's see. Kurt Cobain sweater price. Uh, unplugged sweater sells for record three hundred thirty-four thousand dollars <laughs> at auction. Yeah, that junky old thing. Wow, three thirty-four. And that was at a thrift shop in in Williamsburg. Well, it looks like uh, looks like Adele's husband could, could, could <laughs> just sweep it up. Oh man! Well, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Making your picks. Uh, you got anything to promote? Any live streams? A- any dates and stuff like that? No. I'll just be here. <laughs> uh, uh, I was told I should I should do one of these things. Uh, I might just do one and, like, I don't know. Watch me play Call of Duty. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to be a Twitch star. Yeah, yeah, there's always time, right? We, gotta, I, we could do anything at this point. So I'll be here. I hope you guys uh, stay safe, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Love you too, bud. All right, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetunapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us. Vote on our matchups. We're down to the Elite It's getting serious, everybody. Vote on the TuneUp HQ Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Benny on Twitter at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your minds, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? You know, everybody, just take care of each other out there. If there's any small colleges who listen to this podcast, go ahead and send a degree my way. And uh, <laughs> everybody love everybody. <laughs> the only college people still work in our Liberty University, so I'm not sure if uh, if that's what you're looking for. Ah, fuck it. I'll take it. <laughs> this has been The Tune-Up. <laughs> <laughs>